I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 88. And we're always late. <laughs> I'm rhyming again. Oh, okay. Is that not a thing? No, I will. It can be. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth, though, too. You know who's not late? Patreoners. You're damn right. And you know who that includes? Sarah B. from California. Chelsea M. from Washington. And Danielle G. from Utah. Okay. Thank y'all so freaking much for being part of Patreon. If you want an episode shout out, head over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. We hope y'all enjoy all the extra content and we will be doing a Facebook Live soon. So this episode is coming out, obviously, Monday. That's when all of our episodes come out. But Donna and I will be on the road that day heading back from Atlanta. And so we'll tell y'all next week all about the trip. All right. So I'm going to start this by saying y'all are going to hate me. Like after this story, y'all will hate me. Hopefully no for no other reason, but this story. There's no damn ending, is there? No, there is an ending. Oh, God. Okay, hit me with it. <laughs> We're going to be talking about a haunted doll. Son of a bitch. Are we about to get haunted again like Robert? Eep. Might be worse. Worse? Eep. Might be worse. Where I'm going to begin is with Jane Harris, and she's a paranormal investigator over across the pond, and she runs an organization called Haunted Dolls. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> so people will send her haunted shit through the mail all the time because, you know, she's a lot braver than us. Yeah. Everyone. So enter this doll that has been sent to her. The previous owner said that she would wake up feeling hot and just shaken to her core, and she would have terrifying nightmares. So she began experimenting by moving the doll to different locations in the house, but nothing seemed to change or help. Her nightmares just kept happening night after night. And apparently this owner really wanted to keep the doll because... Like, I would have been like, bye, bitch. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. So she calls the priest, as one does. He made two visits. Nothing helped. And it actually got worse. Mm, as it does. Mm-hmm. I said, dot, 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 of course. And in September, she began having really high fevers and hallucinations. She finally came to the realization that she was going to have to get rid of the doll. There's no way she could keep it. And what does one do? Go on the internet, Google how to get rid of a haunted doll, and I don't know, or haunted doll dispose of. You know, I don't know. Well, Jane's marketing is 100, and her organization shows up in the top results. Well, the previous owner did not want to keep the doll in her house anymore, so she didn't want them to come and check it out or anything like that. So she was like, no, 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 no. I'll send the doll to y'all. So move over, Annabelle. Here's Peggy. Da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of Peggy the doll? No. Okay. Well, she is revered as the most haunted doll in England. I'm just going to take your word for it because I don't want to find out. Mm-hmm. Well, and I might have just made that up. <laughs> she is. Damn. <laughs> I swear I read that. But I didn't put it in my notes, so hmm, I don't know. But she is, like, one of the most haunted dolls. But I'm pretty sure it's, like, see above comment. Like, I really think I was right. 
Peggy is thought to be possessed by a spirit of a woman who was born in 1946 in Holland Park in London, and she died of chest-related condition, like heart attack, or maybe even an asthma attack, and also really afraid of clowns. Okay. That's her Tinder profile. So how do they know? Because if they know that the spirit is Peggy, who was born in 19-whatever you said, 47, 49, how do they not know exactly how said Peggy died? Well, they might not know the last name. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jane has had four psychics that came over, like psychic mediums, and they've read, quote-unquote, Peggy, and they all just pick up that she is restless, frustrated, And they felt that she was persecuted in her life. And now she's taking it out on everybody else. Hmm. One other thing that they found out about her, Jane had placed a crucifix on her, like a little necklace. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if she's evil, like, hey, let's bind her spirit up in here. You know, something like that. I don't know. Well, she had an aversion to it. And... They were like, she's not a Christian. <laughs> y'all, if y'all have not watched that, it's from Wife Swap. Best episode ever. Fucking gold. Yes. Gold. I'll find it and I'll put it in the Facebook group and stuff when this comes out. Or y'all know I'll forget, so someone just remind me. <laughs> <laughs> However, you know, normally, like if you have an aversion to a cross and all of that, it's like, You're a demon. Mm -hmm. You're possessed. This is all of that. Well, two mediums said that they feel that she has links to the Holocaust and was Jewish. Oh. Yeah. And they did some automatic writing sessions with her. And Star and David would come up a lot of times. So, you know, it's just like all linked to that. So, And the persecuted in her Mm -hmm. life. With the Holocaust and, you know. Which also explains why they wouldn't know how, if she really was killed in a concentration camp, it would make sense that they wouldn't know exactly how she died. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if it was from the gas. Dude. The lungs and stuff, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. However, it said she was born in 1946. Skirt! But World War Two, and like ended in forty five, and so did the concentration camps. Hmm. So unless there were some that lingered, which could be, yeah. But that would mean she would have to have died as yeah. an infant. I don't know. Maybe that was. I don't know. Beats me. Good point, though. Where were you when I was researching this? <laughs> Just a history major. Shit. <laughs> well, to be fair, I did look up the dates. I was thinking it ended in 44. So I did Google 45 just to be sure. So I'm not that great with numbers or history either. Well, we'll table that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's table that nonsense. <laughs> Whatever the logic is. Right. Uh, Facts and shit. I wonder if I wrote it down wrong and she died in 46, but, like, she had escaped the, not escaped, but, like, you know, she had liberated. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, why do I bring reincarnation Donna, into I everything? S- I swear to God, I was just thinking that, though. Maybe she was reincarnated. Yeah. Or maybe she's just an older soul. Yeah. Not like an old soul, an older soul. And so even if she was a baby. We are like thinking real hard on this. And it's like. <laughs> but her soul could have been older. And so even though she was a baby and she died as a baby, she still seems like an older spirit mm. in said doll. Yeah. All right. Back to the story at hand. When Jane first got Peggy, she put a picture and a video on Facebook wanting people's help figuring out what kind of doll. Did they feel anything when they looked at her? You know, all of that. And within the first hour, 80 people contacted her. And they said after viewing her Facebook post, they were all super sick or had really bad headaches, all the things. And then she put a video of Peggy on YouTube and it went kind of viral. Mm. And people who watched it, a lot of them suffered chest pains, nausea, or migraines. They also had some unsettling symptoms, you know, and most of them could not make it to the end of the clip. And one lady, she claimed that she suffered a heart attack after, like, two minutes after looking at the video of Peggy. And then there's also some other stuff, kind of how Robert did, where computer screens freeze. Okay, so with the Facebook and the YouTube videos and all of that, I mean, if people left comments being like, oh my God, my head started hurting. Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the power of suggestion. Yeah. Some people are going to have those symptoms and they could be watching a blank screen. Yeah, definitely. I just want to say, Peggy, for the record, I believe in your power. That little blonde girl over there, don't. (laughs) So if you want to take your revenge out on somebody, have at her, not me. (laughs) Nobody ever calls me little. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking about your head. Okay. Jane also said that she has experienced migraines and really felt drained after working with Peggy. And she said that she has never had a case of that in like of that level of intensity before. One thing about Peggy, too, is that it's not only affecting people when they're looking at her or watching a video of her, it's also afterwards. So you know how she affected the dreams of her previous owner? Mm -hmm. She also affects other people's dreams too. And one time she visited a lady in her dreams and basically warned her about one of her cats. And I think the lady saw her walking with a cat or something like that, like one of her cats. In the dream? Mm -hmm. Okay. I was like, uh, what? Well, the next morning, the lady found her cat, and he was really sick, and he died that day. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, had the lady, like, watched the video or, like, gone to see the doll? or Yeah, she had watched the video and stuff like that. Also, so, Peggy, like, how Robert just looked scary, like, Mm -hmm. because he looked so... Creepy? (laughs) Yeah, but, like... Almost handmade, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. Peggy isn't creepy, question mark, question mark, (laughs) because, I mean, she looks like any regular doll of that era, and she's got blue eyes, like short, blonde, bob, like cute little girl, you know, unassuming, Mm -hmm. innocent, 
but she's not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Another time, a lady had opened up a picture of Peggy. Her computer froze on that picture, and the room instantly went cold. She said that she felt that there was a presence of someone in that room with her, and she could hear movement around the room, but not see anything. So the lady messaged Jane on Facebook while this is happening, and like, what do I do? Yeah. And so Jane took Peggy down to an isolation area and basically was like, stop tormenting. Like, let let these people be okay. And everything returned to normal. But the lady that was asking for help didn't know that she was going to do that. Yeah. You know, and like she came back and she was like, oh, no, it's all good. You know, another incident was a lady had been talking about Peggy and her light bulb started blowing, like blowing a fuse, I guess. And she felt that similar presence in her home. Couldn't see anything, but just felt something. And that was just because she was speaking about Peggy. There's another time, and they were doing this automatic writing session. And if y'all don't know what that is, it's where a psychic will communicate with the spirit. And they just kind of write without thinking, you know, like they're not the word I can't ever say, consciously Mm -hmm. writing. It's free-flowing without them actually putting thought into it. It's Mm -hmm. just like... Because their thought is supposed to be guided by spirit. Yeah. So they take themselves out of it so that the spirit communicates through them. Yes. So it was like a live on Facebook, and they're doing the automatic writing. And there was this woman who was watching it. Her name's Lindy, and she is... A medium, but she's still honing her craft. You know, she is very much an amateur. Mm -hmm. She is very much an amateur. But so she's watching this. And as she's trying to post comments about it, and all the times it was about her feelings or anything regarding Peggy, her comments would be duplicated. Well, mine do that shit all the time. And it's not because of a damn dog. Yeah, yeah. It's because of my fucking phone. (laughs) And, well, she said that she would try to comment on other threads. Nothing happened. It was normal. But as soon as she went back to that one, it would happen again. Yeah. And at the same time, her dog started barking. And her face became really flushed and hot. And she felt that she wasn't alone anymore. And Mm -mm. she could feel that sense of dread, that unwelcomed presence in her house. And so she ended up apologizing to Peggy because she was like, oh, maybe she doesn't want us talking about her. And, I'm, you know, like, she's not giving us permission and we're doing it. And, like, maybe, okay, I'll just apologize. And instantly when she apologized, all of her symptoms dissipated. Damn. Well, then three days later, she was watching another Peggy video because this lady is like... Mm-hmm. Me. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, she's trying to hone a craft and everything, so I get it. Well, that video inspired her to have a conversation with her daughter that she felt was long overdue because her daughter was dealing with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And the lady's quoted as saying, My daughter has been unwell for months and things were strained and stressful. Late that morning, I found myself having a much-needed heart-to-heart with her. 
All the things I wanted to say for months were just flowing from my mouth. I found it very difficult communicating in such a way with her due to her illness, and I felt that Peggy helped me. Damn. Yeah. Well, at this same time, there was another automatic writing session with Peggy happening, and she logged on to Facebook and saw images of the messages that they had gotten, like they had wrote it, you know, like, okay, these are the things, and put it kind of by her, and you can see like a still of it. Mm-hmm. And one of those were really directed at her. The words, and it's like, bam, 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 like in a, like a, in a column. I yeah. Guess. It said, Lindy, girl, explanation, draw a line. And she said that she couldn't believe her eyes because it was basically what they had just talked about. And that was only between her and her daughter. And at the same time, like she had no idea that automatic session was going on. Yeah. And Lindy is not a normal name, word at all. And like the draw a line, a lot of people don't use that all the time. Another automatic writing session, Jane was doing it and she said that she was making lots of notes, you know, like... Spirit was talking, and the pendulum was going nuts. Well, when it was over, she's like, cool, leaving all of her stuff. Next morning, she could not find her notepad anywhere. And then when she finally found it, it had been placed up in the joist of the ceiling in their basement. Because that's where they were doing the thing. But it was like up where she couldn't even get to. Yeah. Her husband had to use a ladder to get there. And so, like, you know, she had took a picture of it, and when she posted it online, everyone was like, yeah, because she probably didn't want you to tell people what y'all had discussed and, you know, all of this, because she doesn't like people talking about her, Mm -hmm. obviously. There was another time Jane was scratched by Peggy, and you guessed it, three scratches, Mm -hmm. and we all know that could be a sign of demonic possession, So they started using Holy Water Weekly with her and reciting the prayer of St. Michael the Archangel. Fast forward, and we're on the set of Deadly Possessions with Zach Bagans. Imagine that. Or Baggins. I don't know. He says Bagans, and so I want to, like, say it like that, but I think it might just be his accent. Mm -hmm. So is it Zach Baggins? You're asking the wrong person. I don't know. Zach, let us know. (laughs) Bedazzled boo. And if you don't answer, dibbic douche. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but okay, so he he had that show, and it only lasted, I think, a season. He was quoted as saying he was very skeptical of this claim until the doll caused very terrifying activity during our filming, including manifestation of flies, camera problems, negative mental effects on me, and poltergeist activity. Well, we all know everything has negative effects on him. Mm-hmm. We all know. Mm-hmm. He also said that, like, hey, I have met many a haunted doll, Robert, Harold, but none of them affected me like Peggy did. So, like, for real, when they're filming Deadly Possessions, he's interviewing Jane and flies are literally manifesting around him. Only him. Like, pig pen style. Yeah. And, of course, he had a dark energy come over him, which, again, we know, Zach. We know. He actually interviewed the lady who said she had a heart attack after watching Peggy. 
And he said, like, she was crying. She's still physically affected by it because, like, she, in her heart of hearts, thinks that it was Peggy that fucked her up. They also did a seance with Peggy, and there is a medium, and her name is Patty Negris, I think. Sorry if I fucked that up. But they were doing that, and then all of a sudden they heard an antique typewriter. Tick, tick, tick. I don't know. What what does they sound like? Bling. Dang. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, if y'all need sound effects, don't call me. And also during the seance, chairs were shaking. Like, you know, in the movies where, like, the chairs start vibrating and stuff, that was happening. And Peggy reacted to them. Like, they would command her to make herself known, do whatever, and make this candle light up. And it would. Like, make it, you know, the flame burn taller, and it would. And they also had this device called the Alex Box, which is one of those that have, like, all the words programmed in. And so then it, like, the spirits can use it to communicate. Well, the very first word when they use this Alex Box was Peggy. Pay said, what's up, bitches? Mm-hmm. And because this was such a hard thing for Zach, because he's like, all right, they everyone's having these reactions to seeing Peggy, so should we show her face? Should we not? Like, what do we need to do? Well, while they're, like, you know, talking it over, the camera that was filming her suddenly stopped recording. Wow. Yeah. Well, and you know, Zach... He gets what he wants when he wants it. He is basically a uh, Veruca Salt. And Peggy is there in his museum now. Jane had kept her for two years. And she put in a Facebook post. She was like, I will always be her mother across the pond. But Zach is going to be her father. And I genuinely feel that he cares for her and has a sense of responsibility for her. And, you know, like, kind of like literally, like, passing off her daughter. I was going to say, like a child. Yeah. Zach is also quoted as saying, Peggy's the type of haunted doll that will put your bravery to the test if you will look at her or not. He said that there will be strict guidelines for those who choose to view her exhibit at the Haunted Museum, including signing waivers. So there is a room, and Peggy's encased in a glass box, and there's a speaker in front of it. Like, so it's constantly recording, and normally, like, she will respond to questions and whatnot, yeah. and it's like, oh, shit, it's, like, kind of on the money, not just some random shit, you know what I mean? And according to some of the museum guides, They warn you not to look into her eyes because it has caused one person to have a heart attack, like, in the museum. Damn. And you have to say hello when you enter and goodbye when you exit. And here's just a little, like, uh, what? When I was researching this and writing it, there was a fly that came out of nowhere, y'all. Came out of nowhere. Not even lying. And it was like a fruit fly. I hate those things. Yes, but it like was doing, I was like, what the fuck? Like it was on my screen and you know where it landed? The word Peggy landed on my screen where Peggy was. Damn. And I was like, okay, okay. Like it's a fruit fly. You know, I had some bananas, they in the the trash. So that's probably where it came from. 
and then it was gone. Couldn't find it anywhere. Damn. Like, what? So, yeah, cue Twilight Zone music. Also, I want to say that I got a lot of this information from Daily Mail and Dread Central. But, so, I will say that I am going to post some pictures of her, like, on social media. But this time, like I didn't do for Robert, I am going to put, like, a little warning. Because a lot of people, like, Peggy has been the subject of several podcasts and everything. And people really have, like wrote in and said, hey, while I was listening to this, my phone froze or I had a really bad headache or I looked at a picture of Peggy and blah, blah, blah happened. So I will put a disclaimer, but then you can swipe over like on Instagram and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, but so there will be pictures and there like I have some pictures from the Daily Mail that has like where her notebook was like in the ceiling and Mm -hmm. everything. So I have some other pictures like that. So You have been warned, and I am very sorry if y'all have experienced any negativity while listening. Damn. Well, I feel like at least this time you're a little more upfront about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Fucking not like damn Robert and the Black Eyed Kids. Why do you keep bringing them up? Because I'm still fucking bitter. 85 episodes later. (laughs) Did you ask, Peggy, if you could do this episode? Fuck. No. Donna, you better go ask her right now. All of that, and you didn't ask her if you could do the fucking episode? No. Well, we're screwed. Well, I was being nice to her. I wasn't being ugly. You were. What do you mean, questioning her existence? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Peggy. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. So, do you want to see her, Carrie? Uh, yeah. Okay. This bitch looks like she about to say... Can I speak with your manager? (laughs) Peggy, it ain't me, honey. Well, she does. I mean, you're not wrong. She almost looks like Haley Mills in the original Parent Trap. Never saw that movie. But, but like, but look. Okay, she does. She does. Especially, like, because, you know, the, the short hair character, clearly, because she has short hair. Yeah, I never saw that, and I never saw the one with Lindsay Firecrotch Lohan. <laughs> oh, shit. I saw both of them and love them both. How you don't like romance movies and stuff, which that is one, but, like, I don't like the stuff dealing with parents. Like, Cheaper by the Dozen. Love that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I've watched it. It's cute, but not one I watch again. And it's, yeah. like, family stuff. I don't know. I got issues, okay? I got issues. Yeah, which is why I don't watch romance ones, because I got issues, too. I mean, Peggy, everything I was saying about you isn't necessarily bad. I just mean you should be a fucking meme. Damn. Damn. And then you could go viral and everybody would love you. So, see, it's a good thing. Mm. Mm. And I said you looked like Haley Mills. She's like this fucking beloved actress. Now you're just kissing up to her. <laughs> well, look. We leave for Atlanta in a little bit. I ain't trying to have some shit happen. Mm-hmm. We love you, Peggy. <laughs> and Robert. And Annalise. What's her name? Annabelle. Annabelle. Sorry, Annabelle. So hopefully yours won't, uh, you know, um, haunt us. Just kidding. Your stories always haunt us because they always, like, your stories are the ones I remember the most, you know? Well, I was going to say, they're not going to haunt you like Peggy did. 
but you may be haunted by them. Mm. Well, let's get into it. Okay. There was a guy. His name was Brandon Duran. Brandon, he didn't really have like, I wouldn't say like a rough childhood, but he grew up. His parents were separated. His dad had primary custody of him. And so Brandon would just go to his mom's house during the summer. Okay. Was he hungry like the wolf? Duran Duran? Yeah. Brandon's dad was a metal worker and did a lot of like construction work with the metal, but also he worked on motorcycles and that kind of thing. And he really was a great dad that took Brandon under his wing and showed him how to be a metal worker and how to build motorcycles and repair them and, you know, just all the handy things. His dad also, I mean, of course, building the bikes and stuff, his dad taught him how to ride a motorcycle. And, it, you know, that was just the, the bond that they had. His dad got sick and went into the hospital to have a liver biopsy and just literally never came home. No. Just, you know, from the complications and yeah. just spiraled. And and Brandon had such a hard time with his dad's death. Oh, I can't even imagine. What I thought was really cool, though, is that he used some metal and made his dad's urn for his cremains. I mean, what else you use an urn for? But you get the point. <laughs> with his dad dying suddenly, like I said, he had such a hard time with it. Yeah. So he was looking for ways of coping. You know, he was going out more, drinking more, that kind of thing. And one night when he was at a bar, he met a girl named Amber Andrews. And Amber was everything he found attractive in a woman. She was that, like, pinup beauty, all tatted up because, mm -hmm. you know, again, Brandon was very, like, into the biker scene. Yeah. That kind of thing. He, you know, was just kind of what you think of when you think of, like, a like a typical biker dude. Biker dude. Biker dude. When he met Amber, he was like, my dad sent her to me. So he, of course, immediately bonded and fell for her faster than he probably would anybody else because he had yeah. he really felt like his dad sent her to him to help heal. Why don't my mama send somebody for me to heal? You got me. Fucking hit the lottery when we met. Thanks, mama. It wasn't too terribly long of Brandon and Amber dating that she got pregnant. Mm. And Brandon was thrilled. He wanted to be a father. He wanted to be a dad just like his dad was to mm -hmm. him. He wanted this kind of typical nuclear family. Yeah. You know, he wanted what he didn't have growing up as far as, like, the family setup. But he also, again, wanted to be just this amazing dad like he had. Yeah. After she found out she was pregnant, they decided to get married. And they got married on June 6th, 2006, because she said it was, like, her lifelong dream to get married on 666. Mm -hmm. There's an ID show called Kiss of Death. That has an episode of this. And in it, they have Brandon's mom, brother, sister-in-law all talking about it. And when they talk about the wedding, they talk about how she wore this, like, black dress. Like, she was very goth. Yeah. And she walked down the aisle to, like, metal music and stuff. It was just very much their relationship. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. who they were. Of course, his mom was like, <gasps> you know, yeah, like flipping her flip, but it's who they were. Like, who yeah. cares? That's, you know. It's their wedding. Yes. God forbid they do what they want to do on their day. Right. And especially if they're paying for it. So he bought a house in Las Vegas and he worked like 
again, metalworking. He was in part of the union and construction and, you know, all this stuff. So he was doing well for himself. Amber was a tattoo artist, so she was really good at drawing and all that. Well, after she had the baby that they named Brandon, but they called him Brando. Cute. She wanted to start this t-shirt business, and she got, like, a little business partner to help her. So she was, like, doing, like, the drawings and stuff, and he was more the business end of it. Yeah. The ways that Amber was described after she had Brando... I didn't see this anywhere, but I I really believe that she had a lot of postpartum depression. Mm. She just started going out a lot, drinking a lot, you know, not keeping things up with the house. Brandon had to do a lot for Brando. She wouldn't do it, you know, that kind of thing. But I think it's because she couldn't. Yeah. I really, I mean, again, nothing said that she had postpartum, but I really do. Some of the ways that they've described her, it's like. Shit, that's classic postpartum. You yeah. Know? Well, like I said, she was having a hard time keeping up the house and stuff, too. So Brandon asked his sister-in-law to start coming by and, like, you know, taking care of things around the house, taking care of Brando. Uh, he was paying her, of course. Yeah. But, like, she had just moved to the area and all that. And so he was, like, trying to help her out, trying to help Amber out. Everybody happy, everybody getting help. Well, when she was there taking care of the baby, Amber would leave and be like oh i gotta go run some errands but she would be dressed like she was about to go to the club you know yeah and so it's just kind of like what the hell is going on you know and some things were saying like it was almost like as soon as she stopped breastfeeding it was like all right party's on you know yeah amber was going out and drinking a lot according to the sister-in-law she walked in on her in the bathroom in the club doing drugs like oh off the gosh. yeah like off the sink in the bathroom damn mm-hmm. and so she was it was like she was spiraling yeah she and brandon would get in so many fights and he was like i know she's having affairs like i know that she's having an affair especially with this business partner Oh, I thought his, but her business partner. Yeah, because she would, like, go over to have, like, a business meeting, would come home in different clothes. Oh, what? Yeah, and, like, sometimes her hair would be wet, like, she'd just taken a shower. So it's like, girl, (laughs) clearly you're having an affair. You have all different clothes and your hair's wet, what, you fell in a pool or something? No. People had started noticing that Brandon had, like, different marks on him and stuff, and they were like, dude, is she hitting you? Like, what? You know what I mean? And he was like, you know, he would never admit it. And according to his brother, he was like, you know, he truly felt like Brandon probably thought it made him lesser of a man. Yeah. Which it doesn't. A little bit of a soapbox. Men can be victims of domestic violence just as easily as women can. Oh, for sure. And so if you're in a situation that's volatile and you're being abused, it doesn't matter, man or woman, Or non-binary, fucking report it. Yeah. Or just seek help. Do something because you're worth it. Yes, you are. Because I know it's easy to be like, leave, you know what I mean? But like just or report it or whatever. But I understand that you may not want to report it, but just seek help. Well, one time, Brandon and Amber were arguing so loudly that the neighbors called the police. Damn. Yeah. And she is, like, flying off the handle, and he's outside talking to the police, being like, you know, I'm sorry, everything's fine. 
And Amber runs out the front door while he's outside standing there talking to the police. And when she gets outside, he realizes that she is holding his dad's urn. No. Uh Uh-uh. Bitch better put that down. Well, she did. Forcefully. Oh, no. So, the police are there. You know, they're talking to Brandon. She runs out. She's got the urn. She throws it on the ground. And luckily, because it's metal, and you know what I mean, it, yeah. it doesn't break. Thank oh my gosh. God. Look, that made my stomach hurt. I would have come unglued. Like, I can't even. No. I literally wrote this in my notes. Fuck her. That is so disrespectful to his dad and their relationship. Yes. Like, yes. it's not just like, because I hate when people are like, oh, show respect. Oh, that's disrespectful. Like, because it just makes me think of like a gang mentality of, oh, you better show somebody respect. But I mean that. And like, that is disrespectful to his dad again. And in their relationship, like that is a low fucking blow. Yeah. Yes. And here's my thing. If she's doing that in front of the police, what is she doing behind closed doors? Yeah. Wow. Mm-mm. But basically, that was kind of the the last straw. And even the police were like, you've got five minutes. Like, they, you know, know that it's her that is the instigator and the, yeah, all the things. So he, they're like, you've got five minutes to pack your shit and get out of the house. Good. And so she was kicked out. That would have been my last straw, too. It, oh, mm-mm. no coming back from that. So she left and went and stayed at a friend's house for about a week. And then she came back, apologized. And Brandon's like, I don't want our kid to grow up in a, quote, broken, you know, family. Because he grew up in that single parent household where he had to go every summer to stay with his mom. And so he didn't want that for Brando. And so he took her back. And things did get better for a while. You know, she because she, again, was very volatile, very, like, unpredictable, again, with her drinking and the drugs and the affairs and all the things, you know, it just was really hard on Brandon. Again, he was having like bruises and stuff on him. His family's like, if something's going on, you have to tell us. And finally, he just got enough of it where he was like, you know, it doesn't matter. We're going to, we're getting divorced. And then the custody battle ensued. Oh, God bless it. At first, the custody agreement was one week with Brandon, one week with Amber, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Well, Brandon's mom, Cindy, lived in Oklahoma, and she was in town, and it was Brandon's day to go pick up Brando, and so he took his mom with him to go get him, and then when they get to the house, they're like knocking on the door, nobody's answering, nobody's answering, and the car's not there, and so Brandon goes in the house, and it is completely cleared out. No. Nothing, his mom said, not even a pair of shoes. Was left. Oh my gosh. What do you do? Well, Brandon called her and called her and called her. She finally answered and she said that she had taken Brando back to Oklahoma. And apparently she had a boyfriend that went too. What? And so he's like, if you don't bring him back, you don't tell me where you are, like, I'm going to call the police. And she just hangs up. So Brandon and his sister in law drive to Oklahoma. It's like a 24-hour drive. 
Damn. And they just back and forth taking turns driving, you know, just to get there. So once they got there and they found out where Amber was staying, they had the Oklahoma police come so that they could serve the pickup order so that he could get Brando. So he did it the right way. You know, he didn't just show up and bang it on the door. Hey, give me my kid. You know, he wasn't being because, you know, that would be like the biggest confrontation with the most disastrous outcomes. Oh, yeah, for sure. He was again, he was doing it the right way. Well, even though her car was there, she would not or did not answer the door for the police. And the police are like, there's nothing we can do because she's not answering the door. Call us when she gets back. So Brandon waits out in his car, you know, watching to see when she's coming and going home, sits out for like eight hours. Nothing. So they're like, look, let's go finally go get something to eat. You know, like so tight they had just driven 24 hours been sitting there for eight hours watching this house and they're like we got to go get some food well of course while they're gone amber leaves because she's been sitting there watching the whole time yeah yeah fuck they can't catch a break so he called his attorney and he's like what the fuck do i do and his attorney says come back to las vegas and file a missing persons report so he did and that's when Amber agreed to bring Brando back. Well, that summer, after all that happened, too, it just, her lifestyle went back to how it was right after she had Brando, where it was just... Destructive? Yeah. Just, again, the drugs and the alcohol and the, uh, taking Brando across state lines and all of that. And so, it was just violation after violation of these court orders. And so... The court gave Brandon, like, sole legal and physical custody. Shit. Well, good. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, again, Brandon's mom, Cindy, had been there the whole time helping him and, you know, helping him raise the kid and all this stuff. And so he was like, look, I'm going to get out of Vegas and I'm going to come back and move to San Diego and live with my mom. Because, again, he had sole custody. He was able to do that. When Brandon and Brando both moved to San Diego, they had the best time. They had such a great, healthy relationship. You know, they went snowboarding and he had Brando helping him with motorcycles and even kind of going back to his Catholic roots because his mom was very religious and Catholic and Brandon was starting to, you know, really kind of go back to his roots in that and, and teach Brando. Well... Of course, I know I've said this over and over again, but Brandon really did want that traditional family unit. And so when Amber pops back up again and says, look, I'm really sorry. I think we can make this work. Yada, yada, yada. He wants to give it a go. And so she comes to San Diego. They see each other, talk about reconciling, and then decide that together he's going to go back with her to Oklahoma so that they can try to make this work. So it's going to be like a like a road trip there, spend a little time together, see if they can make it work, and then I guess he would move out there if they could. Well, off they go on the road trip to Oklahoma. They had been gone about four days when Brandon's mom gets a phone call from the police in Oklahoma. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And she is... 
freaking out so much yeah. that her other son and his wife that who had been like helping, you know, mm-hmm. they like didn't even know what was happening. So her daughter-in-law gets on the phone and she's like, you know, this is Brandon's sister-in-law. Like what is going on? And they said, we think we found Brandon's body. What? Uh Uh-huh. We think we found Brandon's body. We're 95% sure it's him. Okay. Lay it on me. Well, this is what happened. Amber had a boyfriend named Justin Hammer. Well, with the name like Hammer. Mm Mm-hmm. Is this the same boyfriend from back in California or whatever? No. Okay. Okay. On August 7th, 2012. A day before my birthday. Mm-hmm. Don't be doing shit by my birthday. Mm-hmm. Somehow, Brandon had been lured out to Justin's house. And Amber had a doctor's appointment. Oh, God. That gave her a really good alibi. But it, it, nobody really knows, like, why he went out there. What, you know. Mm-hmm. What was going on? I don't even know if he knew that Amber had a boyfriend named Justin. It's, it's That's all purely speculation. Once he was out there, Justin shot him point blank in the head and killed him. Speechless over here. Keep going. Because Amber wanted fucking custody. She she didn't want him to have Brando. She wanted him. Which, and, go ahead. Well, and she didn't even take care of him. Exactly. Well... What in the Stephen Powell is going on here? Damn. Justin calls one of his friends and he's like, hey, you know, can you come over? I want to have some, let's ha- come over and have some beers. When his friend gets there, he's like, hey, man, um, I shot this dude in the head and I need you to help me get rid of the body. Damn. Carrie, please don't ever call me like that. Well, the friend is like, what the fuck? Like, thought he was kidding. Yeah. Until he fucking saw the body and then was like, oh, shit, he's going to kill me, too, if I yeah. don't help him. Like, he's got a gun. He's going to kill me. So the friend helped him move the body. And to be honest, I'm not really sure what else he helped with. But when he got home, he immediately called police. Yeah, good. The police bring in Justin Hammer, and he spills the beans. He says that you can find Brandon at the bottom of this pond on his property. And they weighed his body down with like cement. But before they did that, they chopped him into 25 pieces. Holy fuck. Mm -hmm. With a reciprocating saw. What the hell is that? Saw. Oh, Damn, Bob the Builder. <laughs> I mean, I'm not fucking Wreck-It Ralph and Fix-It Felix for nothing. Mm, true. Y'all, I ain't even gonna lie. So I got Disney Plus for free for a year because I'm Verizon customer. So if you didn't know that, you can do it too. I made a profile for Carrie because, you know, that's what friends do. Codependent. Mm-hmm. And you get to pick a character And I was like, Ursula, no, like trying to go through different things. Saw Wreck-It Ralph and I said, "Mm mm-hmm, bingo. That's a reciprocating song. Okay, okay, okay. It's like a handheld, like, Yeah. That's probably not the sound it makes. They even destroyed his motorcycle that he came to the house on to hide all the evidence. Yeah. And it's just like, the motorcycle was this pride and joy. You know, it just is, it's just so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I'm not trying to be like Brandon was perfect because there's articles that say like th- their relationship was just as volatile on both sides. Yeah. That he would like find her and her new boyfriends and, you know, do things to try to break them up. Some stuff is rumored that he was part of the Banditos biker gang. And, you know, so I'm not saying either side is perfect or deserving of anything. Yeah. Well, Justin Hammer went to trial and he was convicted of first degree murder. This was just two years after Brandon's death. He was convicted, sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. After his trial, this huge custody battle ensued again, where Cindy was trying to get custody of Brando and just this back and forth. And Amber was obviously under investigation and they knew that she played a part in it and all these things. But Amber eventually went to trial in 2016. Amber was convicted of first-degree murder and also, like, desecration of a corpse and some other little charges like that. And she was given life in prison with an extra 17 years. And so Brandon's mom, Cindy, eventually got custody of Brando, and that's who he lives with now. And she's really trying to be this advocate for grandparents' rights, Mm. especially when one parent is has been killed and the other is suspected of it mm-hmm. because even when they were like investigating her and stuff she amber being she she had full custody because yeah. brandon had died you know and so it's like what do you do in those situations where it's like do you i mean because innocent until proven guilty so you can't just be like you can't have your kid because you're under investigation for this yeah because I mean, you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know what the answer is because that's very complex. I mean, we ain't going to solve it on this podcast for sure. But it's like really and truly though, what is the answer? Because it's not fair if let's say that she was innocent and that let's just say that Justin took it upon himself to do that and she had nothing to do with it. It's not fair for her to lose custody of her son. Right. But on the other hand, should she be given custody just because she's the mother when she didn't have custody before? Right. That's where I was about to go with, like, she wasn't fit to have mm-hmm. custody when Brandon was alive. So all of a sudden he's dead. And so she has, she's fit to be a parent. Exactly. No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And if she is guilty, you literally just fed into the, probably the reason why she did it. Yeah. See, I so don't know the law because in my head... We all know things don't make sense to me. But since Brandon had sole custody and he died, I would think that the custody would go to his mom. Yeah. You know, not Amber. Right. Well, and then there was even some stuff with like Amber's parents trying to get custody too. And it's like, well, what makes Brandon's mom have more grandparents' rights than her parents? You know, and it's like, because they can't be blamed for how she turns out. Exactly. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's Again, it's so complex. There's so many layers. And it's like, as soon as you say, well, such and such is the right answer. You go, well, what about this scenario? You know, it's like, yeah. there's so many different scenarios that the answer for scenario A is is polar opposite of what should happen in scenario B. Yeah. That's why I do not envy social workers at all. Or even like, I always think about the Supreme Court with this. Like when they make these huge decisions. Yeah. Wow. That's not where I thought it was going. I'm really glad 
this is so bad, but I'm really glad the kid wasn't hurt. Yeah, uh, for sure. I was well. I was going to say I'm really glad. I'm really glad Brandon's the one who died. Like that's how I was going to say yeah. it. But no, I just don't want the kid to be hurt. Like right. I thought they both were because she didn't care about the kid. Just like in the Powell case, though, he wanted the kids, you know, and we believe that's why he killed Susan, mm-hmm. among other reasons. But and then he ended up killing the kids too. Like if you know, no one can have them but me or whatever. But he really didn't love them. No, because they were just a move in his game of chess. Yeah. And I feel like that's for her too. And mm-hmm. so that's why I was like, oh God, she's just gonna kill them both. It's and just, that way she mm-hmm. would be free. Yeah, and it's just a way to punish him too. Mm-hmm. And if she can't punish him by taking the kid away, then what's the next best thing? Yeah. Can you imagine? There was some stuff that I read that was talking about how, maybe on that show on ID. Anyway, that it was talking about when Amber's conviction came down and just the anguish that Brando felt and, you know, that he had to process. I mean, he was going into the first grade when the murder happened. Wow. And then, like, two years after that is when Justin Hammer was convicted. It was like five years after the murder, this long custody battle, you know, all this drama and all of that before Amber was even tried and convicted. Yeah. Wow. So it's like, you know, he was like 11 years old, you know? Yeah. His whole life ruined because she was selfish. Yeah. Well, they both were too. He was selfish in that he had an ideal Mm -hmm. and that he was willing to do whatever it took to make that ideal happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and not blaming, I'm just saying that they both were. It wasn't just her. This is why I can't have kids. Because it's so hard to put their needs over your own. Yeah. Especially your own issues and your own, you know, demons that you're dealing with. Because, yeah. I mean, again, like you said, he had in his head what the perfect family was. And it was what he didn't have. And so it was... At whatever cost. Yeah. Well, I just want to say that is this is a heartbreaking case. And I think it just highlights how important it is that men who are victims of domestic violence are comfortable enough to report it and yeah. taken seriously. And, you know, and I think that the police did a really good job in Nevada that they really did take, you know, they didn't just go in and assume mm-hmm. that he was the one that was the instigator in Mm -hmm. it all, you know, I think that we're getting better, but there's still a huge stigma attached to it. Yeah. So if you are in a situation in a relationship that you are not safe, please reach out for help, reach out to a shelter, reach out to a friend, reach out to a social worker, reach out to a church, literally anything, but reach out for help because you are worth it. Definitely. And remember, Creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.